Hello, and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, February 20th, 2015. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere using open web standards like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, REST, and JSON. This week, we talk about expiring S3 URLs with paperclip, first impressions of Ember, and we finally understand what's so great about Docker. Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. Good morning. Good morning. Hot enough for you? Uh, I think it's warmed up to zero. <laughs> a little hot in the house last night. Yeah, you uh, decided to light it up. Uh, well, we didn't decide to. Hmm. Our furnace decided to. Does this have anything to do with pointing your dryer vent into the crawl space? No. Okay. No, they're, they're unrelated. I see. Um, this has more to do with, probably more to do with owning two dogs and a cat. yeah um yeah uh those of you with furnaces in your house which is probably all of you um (laughs) those heating elements occasionally need the lint and pet hair cleaned off of them so they don't catch on fire was not aware of this it must have smelled good yeah it was lovely well happy to hear that you caught it Mm -hmm. (sighs) still it made for a not the most restful night of sleep. Yeah, I'm sure. And it brings back fond memories for me. <laughs> There's nothing the like... the first thing I thought of was, well, I better get the bacon detectors out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like being forcefully ejected from your house in the middle of uh, the winter. Yeah, shoes I had, on. yeah, yeah. I had to have the, um, the what to do if the house catches on fire talk with the kid. That's fun. Yeah. Hi. How do you, you you can't have that conversation without scaring the crap out of them? I know, especially when things in your house have just caught on fire. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> if that happens again, yeah, if that happens again, don't don't open your door because the furnace is right there. Just um, just go out your window. <laughs> oh, God. Then she was like, "Well, what about you guys?" And to be honest, I had been so focused on how to get her out safely that the thought of us hadn't even occurred to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, well, just, just come and bang on the window. Yeah. If we're sleeping, just don't don't bother. I'm very <laughs> tired. It'll be fine. It's kind of cold in here anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we dive into housekeeping? Yes, let's. Cool. Um, in no particular order, KS's site is back up. Yeah, well, it was never really down. It was just if you try and tried to go to it with the www in the URL, it would fail miserably. Oh, is that what it was? I wonder where I clicked yeah. on that link. I must. I think I would click yeah. through from niche or something. Huh. I, well, anyway, it's it's been it's been like that for probably at least two years. So last <laughs> night I fixed it. <laughs> yeah, in about thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah. There was really no excuse for letting it go that long. <laughs> uh well, speaking of letting it go that long, you may have noticed that I slapped a CSS theme into my site after leaving it pretty much bare text for... I had not, but now I'm going to check it out. Yeah, it's nothing to write home about. It's now it's now The style now is uh, nondescript and therefore not calling attention to itself. Yeah. Um, but the one before it looked, it was like, it looked like a paperback book, which I loved, but I didn't feel it was yeah. 100% Yeah, I actually had more character before. Oh, wait, it was, I liked it a lot better. I liked it a lot better, but you know, if you're selling strategy services to Fortune 500 companies, I don't think they want to come to your site and see like a homey, cozy, right. curl up by the fire 
I feel like it needs something at the very top. It does. I'm going to do it. I just, I literally just took, um, there's a, a incredibly lightweight framework or CSS. It's like a C it's like Eric Myers reset and like one short CSS file called skeleton. Oh, cool. That I, I literally threw in and did nothing. I just mm. switched the, switched the style sheets. I liked it better before, but whatever. Speaking of sites, I am in the process of setting up a new site for my business coaching stuff, which uh, I've always felt was really awkward to have on my my uh, consulting. Yeah, my strategy yeah. consult like mobile strategy consulting, and like customers come there, and then it's like, what's this mentoring thing? They go in there, and it's like totally not for them. Right. So uh, that always made me uncomfortable, and it felt awkward. And in fact, I don't even link to it in my navigation because it just looks weird. So I'm gonna set up a new site for myself for the first time in forever a, over a decade maybe yeah <laughs> yeah so that that's kind of interesting so of course i'm you know experimenting but uh i'm going to do my best to not fiddle and fiddle and fiddle with it and just like get it up and worry about the content and not the html and all that right uh okay we have a bug report we do this one sounds interesting. I don't it, know it what is it is. It is interesting. Um, we have in in sticky albums, we have various, various many places where uh, photographers are coming in uploading images. And yes. all, of, all of the photos, like photos and albums, they have hashed file names that changes all the time, every time there's a new version and all that. But there's other places in, in the app uh, that, that aren't like that. And... Um, where file names end up getting reused sometimes. Ah. <clears throat> so for things like... Like, say, brand logo. Oh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. now I understand. Yeah, now you understand. That bug. Did you, yeah, that bug. Uh, so we were having, and you know, it had never really been a problem before, but we were having some instances where Chrome, which has gotten really sticky with its cache lately. No kidding. Oh, it's insane. It's irritating. It is. It's really irritating. Like even a shift reload doesn't clear it sometimes. Yeah. Did you um, did you know you know did you see that trick in Slack? I think yeah, Nate yeah. posted it. That's great. If you open so people, if you open up your developer tools and press like long click on the uh what is it, the reload button, mm -hmm. a menu pops up and then there's like a like Seriously, no joke. Clear everything and reload the page option. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Which works great if you know about it, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's it's awesome. But yeah, so Chrome has been <clears throat> has been sticking sticking cache stuff like crazy. Mm. Um, so what would happen would people people would edit their brand images inside the builder, and typically it would work when they went to view the album. But the little preview inside the builder there that's in the iframe, it was all it was getting really sticky, and they were. They were not seeing their new logo, so they were thinking the changes weren't taking effect. Oh, so they were, but they just it just was not. They were. It just, they just didn't show up. Oh, my God. Right. So, you know, my my thought was, well, I could set the cache control on the S3 bucket, mm -hmm. um, which I tried, and it had absolutely no effect. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, well, I could, um, you know, I could, add a, I could add some kind of cache buster to the URL, mm -hmm. or I could hash the file names like I'm doing with, with photos. And I see. the reason I haven't done the hash to file names is because when we made the switch with photos a while back, uh, supporting the older versions requires a lot of awkward, awkward sort of backwards compatibility and some code there. And there's a, I've written a blog post on how to do it, but it's kind of a pain. Mm -hmm. 
uh, if you don't want to reprocess every single image attachment, which I certainly don't want to do. Right. So I thought, well, I'll just add a cache buster to the end of the URL. Just just put a, a random string at the end so it'll have to, to you know, reevaluate. Right. And in my process of, of looking to see if there was some easy built-in way to do this with Paperclip, I came across uh, a little documented method in Paperclip called expiring URL huh. instead of the standard URL method. And I can't remember if I just assumed this or if I read it somewhere in the documentation I was reading was old or, or what, but I, I just assumed that that would add a token at the end of the URL so that it, the, that it would have to be reevaluated. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, and it worked for me for all of the, all the preview things and what have you. But then when I would publish an album, um, write out the static JSON file and all of that, mm-hmm. the images would stop working. Like broken links. Like broken links, oh, yeah, wow. broken image tags. And um, so I went in and I looked, and it's actually this expiring URL method is actually adding several things to the end of the URL, and um, uh, which they must be instructions for S3 because we're storing all of our images on S3. Mm-hmm. So what it adds is it adds your public AWS access key. Mm-hmm. It adds an expires parameter, and it adds a signature parameter, which is just a, a big, long, random string. Hmm. So these must be directives for S3. And then once they're written out to a static file, of course, that, that expire value never changes. So when you try to pull up the image uh, in S3 using that URL, S3 goes, up. Oh, nope, that's expired. Oh. And it won't give you the image rather than just, you know, looking and, and, and making sure it's getting a new version. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't even know... I- I didn't know S3 accepted like query params. Huh. So That's wacky. Yeah, if you if you if you were constantly accessing everything uh using dynamic URLs, it would be fine because that expire value would constantly be changing every time you loaded the image. Mm-hmm. So it, everything would would stay up to date and it would work, but once you write it out to a static file, that URL never changes, so it's going to expire very quickly. Gotcha. Interesting. So, so those yeah. are so those are the URLs that we're writing to the JSON file. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, what I so what I did end up doing was I, I took that out and just went back to the standard paperclip URL method and, and appended the cache buster token to the end. Yep. Cool. Well, that's sh- it's like kind of like it's crazy. <laughs> it's like yeah, so. yeah. The paperclip's expiring URL method is a lot more sophisticated than I assumed it would be. Yeah. And it's like the cache issue is, it seems like such a, it, it, it must have been unchanged for so long because all of a sudden it's like. Yeah, we just started having people report this as an issue last week. Yeah, it, it presents as a bug. Yeah. And it's like, okay, great. I understand you're trying to like speed up my site, but. Um, <laughs> like, you not what? Break it yeah, you yeah, seriously. <laughs> Like I and I realize like caching makes the world go around. Like that's you know CDNs and and browser and app cache and all that stuff. But it seems overly aggressive. Maybe maybe we're just not used to it yet. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I even went to a point there where I was whenever I would upload a file to S3, I was explicitly setting no cache headers mm-hmm. when it was uploaded, and and it was still being cached. And, that, so, and that's the thing. I mean, it just, yeah, it just seems like it's not respecting. Google's been cache, doing that yeah. a lot lately with Chrome. There's another one that's, what was it? Oh, it's the uh, autofill. 
mm-hmm. password autofill. Mm-hmm. They just stopped respecting the uh, like don't, oh, don't autofill. Do yeah, the don't do that directive in the form or on the on the items. So of course, when little pe- things like this that break the user experience so badly. I know, and it breaks the web because guess what? Yeah. Guess what people do? You go on Stack Overflow and search for Chrome autofill, and people are putting hidden fields in front of the real fields that they position out of the view so that it autofills those. And then when you submit the form, they delete those other fields with, it's like, yeah, it's don't, <laughs> it's in you shouldn't have to have reason. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so irritating. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, but while, before we finish talking about caching, I wanted to point out that I haven't been able to confirm this, but it appears because I can't tell if it's the new regular caching mm-hmm. or if it's app cache that's doing it. But it appears that when you have the dev tools open, there's a checkbox that says something like um, prevent caching while dev tools is open or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it did not use to extend to the app cache. But as far as I can tell, it does now. Which is really cool if you yeah. know. That's good if you know. <laughs> yeah. But when you're trying to debug why app cache isn't caching, you've got mm-hmm. the dev tools open doing it. And you're like, what is wrong? It works on the phone. How come it's not working here? Da, 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 da. So it's like, and I, I, I asked like three dudes I know from Google who work on dev tools. And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> Did they change that? Has it always been like that? But I'm pretty sure that uh, that that's what happens. Like if you've got the if you have dev tools open and you've got that prevent caching, it now extends additionally to app cache. It'll still download all the files. It'll do the download, but then the next time you reload the page, it'll re- download them again, even if they yeah. didn't change. So even if the manifest didn't change. Yeah, I mean it's it's good that it does it, but it would be nice to know such things. <laughs> yeah, it's a good feature, but you know, release notes or something, change the label on the button, something. Yeah. Um. Cool. So let's see here. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of there. There are times I've considered going back to Firefox. I I had the exact same reaction. The Dev Tools are insanely good in uh, Chrome, but they're also pretty good in Firefox. Yeah, Firefox Dev Tools have gotten a lot better, and then they've got that version that's just for developers. It has a bunch of extra stuff built in. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I downloaded it, but I never got a chance to really look at it much. Mm. Oh, is that Aurora? Uh, the, I don't know beta. what it's called. Okay. I think Aurora is actually their bleeding edge, like their Chromium release. Uh, all right. Well, cool, cool. Uh, let's dive into the feature. Okay. So this week we want to talk about a couple of just sort of like new stuff we're experimenting with and why we're experimenting with it. Yeah, we don't have a lot to say about them yet because we haven't dove in too deeply at this point, although... Some of it I'll be getting into this weekend and next week. Mm. Yeah, so so the first one is Ember, mm-hmm. which is from Web Deity <laughs> Yehuda Katz. I don't yes. know if that's how you say his name. Is it Yehuda or? Yeah, Yehuda. Okay, um, but yeah, uh, Ember is. I'm sure I'm sure the dear listeners are familiar with Ember, but it's a front end. Well, you tell me. It's front end. Front end uh, JavaScript MVC JavaScript framework. Yeah. And and typically we are a little bit shy about using things that are that require JavaScript, but uh, we have a situation where it does make sense 
that JavaScript has to be enabled anyway. Yeah. So Kelly has been diving deep into it. So I'm yeah. excited to hear about it. I haven't really no, heard that much. I, I'm still, actually, I feel like I'm still dipping my toes at this point. Um, but it, it's the first front-end JavaScript framework to really excite me in a long time. I've, I've poked around at others, and I've, I've used others on, on, on projects here and there. But Ember Ember's getting a lot of buzz, and there's a lot of developers that I, I know and respect the, that love it, and mm. it plays really nicely with Rails. Yeah, that's, that's a big benefit. Mm -hmm. I would not say the same thing for Angular. <laughs> no. Um, so cool. But a couple of things that you, I think, would be interesting for people to know mm -hmm. are uh, some of the things you've chatted me about, like their documentation and the training and the things that are available for it, which I think are all really important uh, criteria when you're considering, you know, going with a new framework. There's so many of them now, like you know, Angular, Ember, yeah. React, Meteor. It goes on and on and on. Yeah, yeah, it goes goes on and on, and um, and I like Meteor too. Meteor is a completely different thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I like it for small stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, Ember.js. Um, you know, originally I was kind of hesitant to to um to dive into Ember at this point, and in fact, the advice I'd gotten from a couple people was wait until two point comes out because a lot of things are are in the process of changing. Mm -hmm. Um. And when I did take a, a quick look into it uh, a couple of weeks ago, that was one of the things I found that some of, like the official documentation is good, but if you get out, out get outside of that to like blog posts and things like that, they get out of date really quickly mm -hmm. um, because Ember is Ember's moving from from what they were initially to a more sort of sort of modular build modular component based system, mm -hmm. um, which is great, but it means there's there's a lot of outdated Ember articles and, and what have you on, on the web. Mm. Um, but then I found, found a, um, actually a course by, uh, put together by Yehuda Katz and, and Tom Dale, mm -hmm. uh, which are two of the, two of the Ember, Ember core team. Um, you found a course by them about Ember and yet it addresses all of the, all of the new stuff. It's been recently updated and it has all, all of the modular things in it and, and, and stuff like that. And Ember itself, I've, I've already found, is really good about... Uh, they're on a, a really short release cycle, like a six-week release cycle. Mm -hmm. And they're really good about putting very informational sort of deprecation warnings and, and things like that in the code. Mm -hmm. Like, you'll, you'll get a deprecation warning and it'll say, oh, this is deprecated, you should use this instead on this line. You know, <laughs> kind of <laughs> so. Cool. So they're they're making it making it very very easy to sort of upgrade as you go and and that kind of thing. In fact, that's one of the things they've talked about um, in in a video I was watching yesterday. Uh, Ember's moving pretty quickly, but one of their goals is to make it so upgrading is as painless as possible and keeping up to date with the latest versions are as painless as possible because they they never want people to get way behind in their Ember version. Yeah, so that's like almost a direct jab at Angular, which is <laughs> they were basically breaking backwards compatibility with the the. I don't know if it's been released or not yet, but I think when they went the switch from two to three, I think was going to be like a big, a big difference, mm -hmm. and people were really freaking out. Yeah, and, and they and they've they've said themselves even when they do do have the two point release, it's basically going to be going in and, and cleaning out all of the deprecations from the earlier releases, it's they're, they're continually c 
continually slowly adding new things. And the 2.0 release is basically just going to be a cleanup of all the old stuff. I see. In Angular? Uh, Ember. Ember, okay. I wasn't sure. So that is really interesting. Um, so I look forward to seeing the output of that and also... Yeah, we can, we can li- link to the Ember training in the show notes. Mm. Yeah, that sounds and cool. I haven't haven't gotten too far into it yet. I just kind of watched the introduction and, and went through and looked at what all was available and, and poked at the sample code a little bit. But I'm I'm really impressed with how they've set it up. Yeah, what were you saying in the chat about um, the, the way the sample code is? Uh, basically, the way the sample code is, is they give you a broken app. Mm. And then the training course is they walk you through the process of, of rebuilding and fixing it. And you can... There are Git commits that you can check out for every step along the way, and there's a branch that that you work on, and then there's a, a solutions branch that just has everything working, and um, so you can you can really easily see, you know, get get to get to the get to the correct code, and and have a lot of code in there that you can you can poke around with and experiment on, and and yeah, they're they're teaching you Ember by going through this existing application and adding new features to it and fixing it basically, which is. I think it's an excellent way to learn, and they've also got tests for the entire app already fully written for you nice. uh, with QUnit. Wow. That's crazy cool. Yeah. That, I wish, just like, as I'm listening to that, I'm like, ugh, I wish uh, we had used Git when I wrote my iPhone book, because I, because I, in, in the book, as you're slowly cobbling together, you know, uh, code snippets in the in the book, that's usually what I do is I'll start with the very smallest couple of lines and then I'll add to it, add to it, add to it. So you end up with like every iteration. Right. And we were using like back, it was a while ago. I mean, it was, I suppose it was around, but it wasn't popular. And uh, we were using subversion, which is basically glorified FTP. And I was like, and like looking back on it, it would have been commit 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 <laughs> like those exactly, each one yeah. would have been the you know i could have just tagged them and like if in a, in a perfect world i could have linked because i wrote it in doc book i could have linked out to the commit right and been like put this in it's like uh, I, I mean god it was brutal trying to debug <laughs> those things was insane um so cool i am really looking forward to finding out more about this mm-hmm. um and I'm also looking forward to finding more about the next one, which is Docker. Yeah. So which is another another thing I, I had I'd heard it mentioned many places, but I'd never really looked into it much. So you probably know more about it at this point than I do. Yeah, and that's all we can really that's all we can for as deep as we can get. But I think it'll be helpful because, like you, I had seen a couple of uh, vid- you know video presentations of people on stage talking about how game changing Docker is. And I'm like, scratch my head. I'm like, isn't this VMs? Like, yeah, that, what's that's the what big I was deal? Thinking the whole time too. Yeah. So it's not. So the other night okay. I went to, um, I spoke at, uh, Oh, I meant to mention this in housekeeping. I spoke at, uh, the, uh, Providence JS, which is a local JavaScript meetup mm-hmm. and, uh, had never been. It was a great time. If anybody, from ProvJS is listening. Thanks for having me. And the talk I gave was uh, the death of the browser and why that's no big deal. Uh, and there are slides available online. So I, I meant to mention that in housekeeping. So you can link to it in the show notes if you want to know more about that. But uh, there were uh, just a ton of smart JavaScript developers there, of course, and just smart developers in general. I, I talked to people who were, you know, JavaScript, Node, Rails, 
X, you know, like iOS, there's every, it was amazing. I was like, wow. And, uh, and one of them mentioned Docker, you know, on the side. And I was like, can you, in 30 seconds, can you explain why Docker's a big deal? And, uh, <laughs> he's like, yeah, actually. And he's like, you know, he's like, are you familiar with, um, uh, are you familiar with VM, you know, VMware and VirtualBox? And I was like, Virtual yeah. Box. Yeah. And so, and so I was like, uh, and I was ready for him to be like, it's just like that. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, it's just like that, except for without the four gigabyte download. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? So he, he, and this guy was a rails guy mm-hmm. and he started to describe it. And I'm like, wait a minute, this sounds like a gem file for your OS. And he's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where it's, there's a Docker process that you install on your machine mm-hmm. and then you write a text file that basically says, set up this machine thusly. Thusly. And yeah, it's my favorite Alton Brown word. <laughs> and uh, it just deals with it. It gets all the dependencies it, it, and it just like makes the machine the way it's supposed to be. And and what's really cool about it is, you know, like uh, it's not just the download because the, the other thing is that of a if you have a disk image for mm-hmm. whatever configuration you want and you want to make one change to it, that's like a whole nother disk image. Right, right. I've ran into that with Vagrant. Like mm. the, the sticky the sticky Vagrant image is out of date because I had to install Phantom JS. Right. <laughs> and so I've every... not updated the image because who cares? <laughs> right. And that that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Cause uh, cause we're getting ready we're getting ready to onboard this new guy and one of the main things he's gonna do is testing. So when I was writing up all the information for him, I was like, and the image is out of date, so you'll need to install Phantom JS. Blah blah blah. Mm. By the way, could you update the image? <laughs> I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's a pain. So not that I've ever done it, but you told me it was a pain. <laughs> but so it's here's just, the thing: it, it's just tedious. Because then, then um, hey, it's our it's our weekly podcast phone call. Hello. Um, because not only do you have to recreate this four gig image, you then have to upload it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And from Kentucky. From that Kentucky on, on um, crappy DSL because that's all I can get here. Yeah, it w- and if you did it over your phone, it would literally be your entire month's worth of data just to upload one file. <laughs> right. So the, the thing of it is, it reminds me of the, the old shrink wrap software days when you'd ship it and you'd have to like, it's not as bad, but mm-hmm. it's like you do the whole thing, you pilot it, you know, and you you upload it and finally it finishes and you're like, God, I forgot to put Git on it or something right, stupid. Exactly. And so I've done that before. Yeah, of course. I mean, I've done it. I haven't done it with images, but I've done it with plenty of other shipped software or even stuff you have mm-hmm. to put in a, like a, on a burn a CD. And then you're like, Oh, I can't believe like back when I worked in an ad agency, burning right. a CD and then putting it at FedEx. And then you're just like, you go through 10 CDs because exactly. You're like, ah, oh, I keep forgetting to put stuff on it. <laughs> but anyway, the, the, so Docker results in the same outcome where you've got a pre-configured environment in which your application will uh, happily run. But mm-hmm. the difference is it's just instructions. And the really cool thing that we're leading up to slowly with this, this point in the conversation is that you can include them in each other, evidently. So you can have like a core image or sorry, instructions for like a core configuration. Right. Like this is, this is my Docker file for my Ruby two rails four one Postgres setup. Yeah. Just the base yeah. setup that you, you basically use everywhere. And then, you know, for us, we have like 
a big difference between a, like our client server and the the builder server. Right. And so you not that I'm using Rails on my side, but anyway, you could and and then you'd say, okay, use the base configuration, but then on this one, I also want Image Magic and and yada yada yada, all these other things, and then the other one. Yeah. It could be like, oh, I need Apache to be configured differently over here. So, yeah, development versus production. Yeah, that too. So you you might have machines that are doing different jobs and need to be configured similarly, but somewhat different. Yeah, like I need I need Redis on this one, but on this one I also need Monit Monit to make sure Redis stays running. And mm-hmm. like, oh, the dev one needs Phantom JS on it. They both need Image Magic. Whatever. When you when you said Monad, I almost thought you were going to say Monistat, and I was like, "That seems like something else." No, that's that's something different entirely. Yes. Although now I I kind of want to write a stat program for Monad. <laughs> Monistat. Yeah. Mm, I like it. Monistat eight. <laughs> um, okay, so I am pretty excited about this idea. Yes. Uh, especially because I'm getting for like for my personal stuff. And like I mentioned before, I'm setting up a new site so and I'm doing it on digital ocean and it would be so cool to be able to, like, I couldn't, I can't do like a, I don't even know how I would do like a virtual, you, right. does, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's like, like, yeah. I mean, I'm working on, I'm working on a, an NFSP right now uh, <laughs> for, <laughs> for a friend and he's, he's a marketing guy. He's not a, He's a marketing and business guy. He's not a not a techie, mm-hmm. not a programmer. So I want a way to like deploy things that's simple. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm I'm not working under the assumption that he's never going to need someone to do like sysadmin type stuff mm-hmm. um, because he will. Mm-hmm. But if I can simplify the deployment process to make it <laughs> realistically to make it easier for me to do, because <laughs> I know I'm going to end up being that person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I just I love the idea of like because you know how we were we talked way back we talked about um, dot files configuration that GitHub repo that Matthias mm-hmm. somebody uh, made available. Yeah. I heard about it from Paul Irish, but uh, it's a fork of this project where you like you get a new Mac or you you just completely uh, reset your Mac, you know, clean reinstall, and then you just run this bash script that does it, like configures your local machine like the way you want it and that's what this reminds me of but f- like over ssh so like yeah. i create a new ubuntu 14 droplet on uh digital ocean ssh in there install docker if it's not already there it probably is and you then know, ju- you know yeah sorry go ahead yeah and then just like run this file and do 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 installs all the dependencies gets everything set up the way i need it and it's like you know a like a what 50k file at the most that i need to copy over there yeah it reminds me of a couple things it reminds me of of amazon's iams without being the actual like big honking data file (laughs) really what what well i mean it's just it's kind of like this is this is the state that i want my machine to be in isn't um that's the account management thing iams i Right. Oh, AMIs. You're thinking AMIs. AMIs. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Amazon has so many (laughs) acronyms associated with AWS. Yeah. Yeah, AMIs. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. The Amazon. It's it's like a machine image without the image. 
And it, it also reminds me of uh, Linode has had for a while now, they have this thing uh, they called stack scripts. Mm-hmm. And basically it's just that. It's a shell script that, that you write and then you go in uh, to a, a newly provisioned Linode and you say, okay, run this stack script and it downloads and installs and configures everything in your script. It reminds me a lot of that. Yeah, it sounds very similar. I wonder, in fact, I wonder if they're using Docker on the back end of their stack scripts or something. Yeah, who knows? I, and I haven't seen the syntax of it. I don't know if it's like super complicated or what. But it, the but this guy, I was like, yeah, I think they're YAML files. That that's what I imagine. Like I I would I would assume it was very human readable and simple because that's the whole you know like yeah, why I'm pretty pretty sure they're YAML. That's awesome. So, and I what I said to this guy, I'm like, you know, I didn't know him that well. So it was like, is this guy just one of those early adopters that gets like super jazzed about being on the bleeding right. edge? And I'm like, well, how long have you been using it? And he's like, a little over a year. And I was like, and he's like, and I use it for everything, client work, personal stuff. It's the best. And it really, I have to say, uh, I, I agree that it sounds really good. Yeah. So, you know. Maybe. Yeah, I think Ember, Ember, and and maybe to a lesser extent, but also kind of Docker. My first impressions of both are that there's a a little bit more of a learning curve than you would maybe expect, mm-hmm. but gonna be totally worth it in the end. Right. Yeah, I'm gonna. It's tempting to look into it. I have like a long list of things I'll get to someday. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna explore it this weekend, um, so I can deploy things for my friend. Yeah, and I, and I mean that is applicable to Sticky too. I mean that's like right. a that's, right. we we provision new servers fairly regularly. Yeah, it's not unusual. Um, cool. Well, all right, I think that's all we have for this week. Yeah, so we'll have to give an update on both in in a week or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so stay tuned, dear listener. That's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaber, and we hope you join us again next week for the Niche Podcast. Bye. Bye.